0: Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. And welcome to the podcast show, Grant Writing and Funding. So we are getting through this amazing month of June. And I love the end of quarter two because and that's where we're at. I love it because it's a, a pause, right? Um, going through the end of quarters, if you know me, I love planning and I love planning by the quarter. I'm very much, I've been doing that for years now with my business and I absolutely love it because for me, 90 days or thereabouts 90 days in a quarter, um, is really enough time to get some pretty big projects done. But at the same time, it's not so much of an overwhelming amount of time where you might procrastinate right so you still have limited time but enough time to really be able to get some amazing things done and to take the time for a week i always love taking a week at the end to pause reflect take some time off and to really then say okay what do i want to get on my plate for the next quarter So I find that this is a really bite-sized amount of time to get amazing things done. Um, A lot of people just plan for the year. Um, The fault in that, um, how I've kind of reacted to that, is a year is quite a long time, right? But it's, it's long enough where you might feel like, oh, I've got so much time to get it done to where you may procrastinate quite a bit um, and especially you don't have enough time to really sit there and say, okay, do I have measurements in place, etc." So quarters, even if you have a year long goal, right? You want to take those quarters and say, where, where am I at in that goal? How am I reflecting? Can I measure what I've gotten done so far, et cetera? So I am really big on planning. And I think it's been very, very helpful for a lot of the clients that I work with, for other consultants that I work with and more to really be able to get so much more done with the same or even less time because when you schedule it, you actually delete a lot of the wasting of time, right? Because you're very intentional with what you do. So, um, in this week's podcast, I am going to be giving you ten tips on how to create great strategies. If you love this podcast this week, um, it's actually I'm this is a replay from last year, and I really love it because it was um it's been really highly listened to. It gives you these 10 tips that you can really move through in a tangible way. So I encourage and I challenge all of you out there, so this is made for your nonprofit or freelance biz, to really, really take these 10 steps and do these in my strategic planning crash course. You are gonna love this. Um, We go over these amazing 10 steps that you can really do a lot. So take a weekend, take a day, take a half a day and get it done sometime within the next month. So let's go ahead and try to get it done before the end of June, right? But you may be listening to this in the future and that's fine as well, or in the beginning of July, right? So you can use this as well at the end of the year if you want and more. But I just want to say, if you're listening to it now, it's mid year, go ahead and commit to taking a half a day off and actually working on this strategic planning, these 10 step crash course to really get things set into motion and be intentional with the rest of your year. And before we get started today, I also want to remind you of our June grant party. Yes, we have two more weeks in June. I'm super excited about it. And um, so what we have, we had five amazing podcasts scheduled out for the entire month of June. So do subscribe and go back to what we've already got to- because it's been great. Um, Also, I still have my nonprofit strategic planning course, the entire signature course. So if you love today's podcast episode, you'll definitely want to get the nonprofit strategic planning master course. It's $200 off for the whole month of June. So that means doors will be closing pretty soon on that $200 discount. So if you're interested in that, definitely jump over to the show notes today, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 17 six. And we also have another great thing is my grant professional mentorship is open. The doors are open until June 30th. And this is for the rest of the year 2021. The doors will be closed. Um, So if you are a freelance grant writer or nonprofit consultant, and you want a community, you want continued master classes um, to really, I give you so much stuff, man. This month I actually gave a whole training on how I do a nonprofit wellness audit and I gave you slide deck so that you can use as a template with your clients. So tons of stuff like that every month I do a masterclass and Every month we do a Zoom coaching call, so a group coaching call. We have a private Facebook group and we have a bunch of other goodies every single month. So it's sort of like a membership where you pay every month or you can just pay until the end of 2021, Um, but it's more elevated. So it works more like a mastermind. Um, So really focusing on generating uh, clients and revenue with your businesses and having that continued accountability accountability, and community. So if you want to jump in on that, once again, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 176. And um, just remember the doors close June 30th. So you will not be able to get into that program until 2022 when I open the doors again. Um, and if you want the Nonprofit Strategic Planning Master Course, remember uh, $200 off also ends on June 30th. So join me for the June grant party. All right, guys, let's get into today's episode. Step number one is know your values. We covered this step in depth during last week's episode number 125. But here's a quick summary in case you weren't able to catch it, or if you did, but it's been a week, <laughs> so lots has happened. So here's a quick summary You must know what your values are because that is how you will operate your freelance business or how executive directors operate nonprofits. So, First, list out all of your values and then prioritize them. The prioritization of your values is key because you may have conflicting values. Yes, us humans are very complex, right? But everything you do in your business or in a nonprofit is based upon values. If you don't understand what these values are or where your values are placed on a hierarchy, right? how are they prioritized? Then you are going to have a hard time making decisions and leading your, your business or your nonprofit, and also knowing what programs to do, what your mission and vision should be, etc. cetera. So it's really important to first list out your values and then prioritize them. You can do this as a team effort if you're more than a one-man or one-woman show, or even if you're a one-man or one-woman show, you need to do this step. It's very important, and it's also a great icebreaker if you're going to be doing this with a nonprofit. It's a great place to start. And believe you me, the people in the nonprofit are going to be kind of surprised on what they hear from their coworkers, even if they've been working with them for decades. values are really integral to everybody, um, but sometimes we don't really communicate them. Like, oh, what's your values? Well, my values are these, right? So, um, but it really is important and it helps create a better staff morale as well. Okay, so step number two, conduct a SWOT analysis. A SWOT stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. If your values are the core principle on how you operate, then the SWOT is a way to measure your resources. To do a SWOT, first you need to separate the strengths and weaknesses, so the part, right? from the opportunities and threats. Strengths and weaknesses are the internal markers in your business or nonprofit, and opportunities and threats are the external markers. So overall, the following is true. Strengths are what you rock at. These can also be internal resources or elements that you have at your disposal, i.e. a donated office or great staff morale, etc. Weaknesses, you know you could do this better. These are those nagging monsters in your business or nonprofit that you know could be increased and they're definitely weak. Opportunities. Yay! Those great ideas, potential partnerships, or possible resources. The things that get you excited, and some solutions to your challenges. And threats. Eek, you got no control over these external factors. What's the biggest one you can think of right now? Well, COVID-19, right? That's something that's out of your control. It's happening. Um, a lot of times people also will say something like um, here on Guam, we say typhoons, that's a big threat, right? If you have any natural disasters in your community, um, things in the economy, even, yes, I've heard people say Trump, <laughs> people in administration, administrations tra- change all the time. And those funding dollars change in alignment with whoever's in office. Right, so that can be a threat when you're looking at going after grants as far as maybe uh, the person in office at this point in time, they're not gonna prioritize what what the mission is of your nonprofit. And other times, they may love and prioritize what you're doing. Either way, it's a threat because, you know, you do follow some of those dollars. But you do have an opportunity on how you will respond to these threats, but you need to be clear on what these are. So you may not be able to control them from happening, but by doing this activity, you will be in a way better position. So for example, here's a SWOT for my company, Grant Writing and Funding. And I'm just gonna give you um, one, I have quite a few listed, and I'm gonna have those on the show notes. So if you want more information, you can definitely see it's a big chart that I've listed. But I just wanna go ahead and show you, I'll show you uh, one example from each category. Okay, one uh, strength I have is the podcast with avid and growing listeners, right? We get about 1,200 downloads a week, um, different listeners. Uh, we've had over 120,000 downloads like this. You know, you guys come, I love you guys. and You listen and you give feedback and it's very consistent and it's continually growing. It's great. It's a huge strength that I've developed is this podcast for you guys. And I couldn't do it without you. It's amazing, right? So that's a strength, absolutely. What is a weakness about it? Well, I'm not really capitalizing on the podcast for monetary direct support. I am usually my own sponsor, and that's definitely going to change in the future um, because that is a weakness on my behalf as it does cost money to run a podcast. It's not free, right? There's a lot of different things. It takes my time. It takes, you know, I have to sign up for certain software. Um, it takes a lot of commitment. And I mean, it's, I definitely love doing it, but I'm not capitalizing on it, right? So when I looked at that and I said, this podcast is definitely a strength. But the weakness is, is that I'm not capitalizing, it takes a lot of my time, it takes my monetary resources. So, what is an opportunity? Now, let's go into the opportunity zone. Well, I can develop an infographic and send to resource partners to fund the podcast, right? I can start getting some sponsors on or maybe work with some other people to do affiliates. Like I can review their products and then all the stuff that you guys ask me, like, oh, what's the best platform to use? What's the best? And I can actually go in and, and let you guys know and then maybe get referrals, that sort of thing, right? So there's definitely opportunities. And then what are threats? Well, other opportunities become higher priority than the podcast if it's not monetarily supported, right? So just being very, very transparent here, and I I show you behind the scenes on my whole business with the entire um, chart that I've developed, but I just want to give you one example during the time we have, because we're going to go over all the steps today. Um, But definitely, those could be how you lay them out. For this one, and I think about the strength, and then I think about how it can be a weakness. Is there a weakness associated with it? Yes, there is. But is there an opportunity to overcome that weakness? Yes, there is, right? And is there a threat that might, you know, it might threaten the getting the podcast out on time or the podcast closing or something? Absolutely. So how can I mitigate that threat? Well, I can use the opportunity. This is how you can look at that. And if I didn't lay this out, right? If I didn't do a SWOT for my company, I might not brainstorm some of the opportunities and then when the threats arise, then it might just suffer all the strengths that I've built in my company might suffer because they're faced with those those threats and I haven't developed a plan to actually, you know, have these opportunities and start implementing them. So then it takes away the weakness. See how this all works together? It's pretty cool, I love SWATS, And as you can see, this is one service that you can just do for a nonprofit. You can say, let's do a SWOT analysis today and take a half a day or a full day and to do this. So there's different ways on how you can actually get it done. It's a lot of fun and it really helps nonprofits get set up and to be more sustainable. Instead of it feeling like a lot of overwhelming steps are being self-defeating about my, you know, any of my weaknesses, I now have a very clear action step and steps when you look at the whole chart on what opportunities to mitigate the weaknesses and threats and to leverage my strengths. So now your turn, go ahead, you can pause this podcast to be like and go ahead and do your SWOT. All right. So, Step number three, or we should say service number three, articulate boss mission and vision statements. All right, this is so important, and I'm gonna go over these real quickly today. Okay, in very simple terms, terms, you need fantastic mission and vision statements. Here's tips for both. No more than 20 words, simple and easy to remember. Everyone should have these memorized. All right, right now if I said to you, what is your mission statement? Do you know it like the back of your hand? Do you have it memorized? Do you have to Google it and it's a paragraph long and it's super complicated? Really think about this. This is really important. Remember where there's clarity, you can advance mission. But if you don't have clarity, it's gonna be really difficult. So what are exactly are these mission and vision statements? Well, a mission statement is what you do today. A vision statement is the outcome for the future. And why are these so important? Well, for one thing, you need to have them when you file for tax-exempt status for nonprofits. The other reasons are equally important. These include, they provide a guide for decision-making, right? Such as, we will only apply to grants that meet our mission. They clarify your purpose, activities, and mission. They create camaraderie for a common goal amongst board members, staff, and volunteers. And they communicate your culture to the community. So it's really important. Okay, so let's go ahead and you're just gonna do a fill in the blanks. Go ahead and fill in the blank to help you get started. But overall, a mission statement describes what a nonprofit or business wants to do now. What do you want your nonprofit or business to do in the upcoming year or two? For whom do you want to do it and what is the benefit? So you could very simply just fill this in. Name of nonprofit does blank for blank to provide blank. So that would be a really simple formula to use. And I'll just give you an example. So for grant writing and funding, my mission statement is to create effective systems for grant writers that simplify the nonprofit process, grow capacity and increase funding. So you can see that's what I'm doing today too, right? I'm giving you simple systems for you grant writers to go ahead and take these systems to turn them into services and to help nonprofits with their process, to grow capacity in your business with more services and increase your overall funding. A vision statement, so we looked at what a mission statement today, right? A vision statement, like I said, it outlines what a nonprofit or business wants to be in the future. What do we want to do going forward? When do we want to do it? And how do we want to do it? And very simple formula could be our vision statement is blank for blank, okay? Okay. So my vision statement for grant writing and funding, and you can see I'm doing this for my business too, right? You you wanna do all these steps for your own business as well as your nonprofit. My example is a tribe of grant writers drive positive change while having an abundant lifestyle. So very simple, this is what I really, the, the whole outcome of developing all these systems and everything, right? It's positive change in the world because you grant writers out there, you're gonna go and you are gonna be working with amazing nonprofits, and you're gonna drive that change forward. But I don't want you guys to get peanuts, right? <laughs> you gotta also put food on the table. So I want you to have an abundant lifestyle while you help bring in you know, the millions of dollars in grants or the hundreds of thousands of dollars in fundraising. Like You also deserve to have an abundant lifestyle. So step number four, find your target demographic. This is basically who you serve. This is very important, as it might seem like this is a no-brainer, but you wouldn't believe how many startup nonprofit leaders come to me asking for help getting their nonprofit ideas started, and I tell them that there are already several nonprofits out there that serve that same specific demographic with that same great idea of a project. So it really is important to identify who you will serve. It is not enough to say that you will serve homeless individuals as that is a huge demographic and there are so many services that they need. But if you are going to serve homeless families in your geographic area, that may make more sense because then you can develop specific projects such as transportation to school, school uniforms and books, housing units with multiple rooms, parenting classes, etc., This goes for consultants. Are you serving every single nonprofit? Who is your ideal client? Large nonprofits that are established, small startups, or maybe a specific sector, such as education nonprofits. Don't be afraid to go too narrow, as it really will help you be very specific on connecting to your target demographic. So let's move on to step or service number five. Establish resource mapping. Resource mapping is one of my favorite items. This is where you are going to list all the resources that you have and plan on having. You are going to list both the monetary resources and in-kind resources that your nonprofit or business has. This includes all the products, services, grants, fundraising, donations, and manpower, people, right? So if you are a nonprofit, your monetary resources may include Thrift store sales, $50,000 annual grants from Foundation X, $25,000 in annual giving from individuals, $10,000 in annual corporate giving. If you are a freelancer, then your monetary resources might include $25,000 annual retainers for writing grants, $15,000 one off grants, $10,000 for grant research, $20,000 in grant writing and nonprofit workshops, etc. If you have been working with nonprofits long enough, you know that monetary resources are not the be-all end-all. In-kind resources are necessary as this includes items that may be donated. So overall, it decreases your expenses. So if you're a nonprofit, examples of in-kind resources could be IT services donated at the annual value of $2,000, an office room lease donation at the annual value of $12,000, Volunteers at the annual value of $50,000. Yes, if you're tracking your volunteer hours, it can be pretty substantial. And if you are a freelancer, examples of in kind resources could be affiliate partners that help sell your services, LinkedIn groups for leads, anything you donate to your own business, right? So, in any case, it is vital to delineate all these sources and then track what brings in the most money or mitigate spending money. In this way, you might even consider cutting some programs if the financial, people power, and resources are maxed out and there's just not a high return on reaching your mission or bringing in the money, right? So it just makes sense then to say, ah, this is what's been sucking our time and our money and our energy in this program when we didn't even realize it because we didn't have this all spelled out. So in the full Nonprofit Strategic Planning Master Course, I give you multiple Excel sheets with formulas for all of these details and more examples so you have a handle on where your resources are coming from and where they are going. And two of the biggest challenges that I hear from both nonprofit leaders and freelancers is their fight with time and the energy drain, right? So the biggest contributor to this is operating in a constant priority-minded view i.e. everything is a priority. This ability to identify and break down all of your resources and see where you're actually spending your time and energy and the return on time and energy is absolutely life-changing. By doing these exercises, and you can do them now on a piece of paper even, right? I have seen both nonprofit leaders and freelancers dramatically increase their quality of life purely by being able to see what really a priority is. So outline all of your resources and identify resources um, that are the most beneficial for your nonprofit or for your business. This is super important, resource mapping. And like I said, you can really go in the weeds on this too, right? You can really, and I spell it out like so in the Excel sheets, so you can even create these Excel sheets as well. You can break down each page to have all of this information on there. So it's really important to know what your resources are, any kind of leveraged resource, resources, partnerships, you know, that, that you don't have to pay for certain things because maybe you partner with a community college who offers the testing you do for free. All of those kind of things need to be accounted for. And this is great too, because you can use a lot of this information to say, oh yeah, we have a grant coming up and we need to have non-federal matching for it. You already know exactly how much you have, where it's going to come from, etc. And you kind of have an idea then of what grants you should go after, just saying, (laughs) right? So you can see how resource mapping is in a whole thing by itself as well, but that can be used for other things like grant writing, et cetera. Step or service number six, define goals, objectives, and activities. Now that you know what you should be prioritizing by doing your resource mapping, it is vital to build goals, objectives, and activities for each project idea. So remember, and I talk about this in grant writing all the time, I use goals, objectives, and activities for my planning and for my grant writing. A goal is an overarching plan. So for example, if you are a nonprofit leader, your goal might be by the end of the year to have secured $500,000 in funding for your nonprofit. If you are a consultant, your goal might be by the end of the year to have secured $100,000 in earned funding, the sales that you've made. So that's the overall goal, right? And you can have um, different, you can have a monetary goal, you can have an operations goal, you can have different goals for different categories. This is really cool to do as well. But underneath this then, your objectives. So you're usually gonna have more than one objective to meet your goal. And think of this kind of like peeling back an onion. So the goal is like the outer layer, the objectives, there's some more layers underneath there, right? So, and these objectives should always be, um, they should be what you need to do to specifically reach your goal, and it should be smart. All right, so if you've taken the grants formula, you know what this is, right? (laughs) Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Your objectives should all be smart. For example, for the nonprofit leader's goal of securing $500,000 in funding for their nonprofit, some objectives may include the following one to apply for five federal and 10 foundation grants by the end of the year. Two, to run three main fundraisers online. Three, to increase our mailing list from 1,000 people to 5,000 people by the end of quarter three. Four, to reach out to 20 new corporate sponsors and develop a new sponsor package by the end of quarter one. So you can see these are all time-bound and um, they're very, very specific, right? And you can measure all of these. So these would all be great, and they would lead into that overall goal of $500,000. So if you're a freelancer, some of your objectives to reach your $100,000 goal, rather, might be one, to reach out to 50 new ideal leads by the end of quarter two. Two, to develop a package of services by the end of quarter one. Three, to follow 200 new ideal leads on LinkedIn and join five groups and be an active participant throughout the year. Four, to secure 10 new testimonials and publish on website by the end of quarter three. So you can see once again, how all of these different things will lead into your overall goal. And you can see how I'm not saying by the end of quarter one to have $50,000, right? That's not something in a way, that would be an outcome of what you did, right? So if you develop your 50 new ideal leads, those then should secure your contracts, et cetera, to bring the money about, so it's more about things that you can actually take action on and that you can control rather than the things that are just the outcomes, right? So you might get $25,000 from that, right? So and then you're gonna beat yourself up. But if you know that you took the steps of reaching out to 50 new leads and that it only amounted to $25,000 instead of the $50,000 outcome that you were looking for, then you know that you need to reach out to at least another how many leads? 50, right? So this is what I'm saying. You wanna create these objectives that you can actually control. Now we're gonna get to the activities. You can see we are peeling this onion back even more, but this is where you have the plan. The activities are the specific tasks it to complete each objective. So for each objective, you're gonna create a timeline to include who will implement each activity, when they will start, and when they will end, okay? So for example, um, the first objective of the nonprofits um, to apply for five federal and 10 foundation grants, they will have many different tasks or activities under this objective. And one activity could be the executive director will hire a grant writer by the end of quarter one to find all grant opportunities. So this would just be one activity under that one objective. So you're gonna have many activities so you can complete your objective, which once your objective is completed, it will help lead into your goal. See how this all works? Love it, and this is why I love doing this in grants as well. All right, so for the freelancer, you will also have multiple activities under each objective. To reach the objective of reaching out to 50 new ideal leads, one activity might be the following, Uh, the virtual assistant to find 20 virtual conferences where my target demographic client hangs out and book me to these by the end of month one. So I love having these activities done in a chart. So each week I can just look at my chart to see if I'm on target with all my deadlines. And like I said, I love doing this for grants as well. Because if you hire someone to actually be the project director for the grant and they weren't in part in actually writing the grant, you can basically just hand them this chart with the goal and objectives and activities and they know what to do, when to do it, everything it's absolutely magic i always like calling this a magic section so it's a magic section for your grant as well as magic for your planning okay so let's move on then to the next step step number seven is prioritize a nonprofit's projects now that you know everything that you want to do what resources are needed you can then identify the best projects for the year Maybe there's a project you want to develop, but if you accomplish it as an objective, it will not move the needle toward your goal. Then you might not consider doing that project. What you can do is list each project idea that you have and figure out how much it's gonna cost, what resources it's gonna take, how much manpower it will take, and how much time it will take. And that's gonna be easy because you have already done your resource mapping, right? (laughs) So you can look back at your resource mapping to really have an idea and then plug in a new project idea using the same formula. Once again, how much will it cost? What resources will it take? How much manpower will it take? And how much time will it take? Once you know that, you can very clearly say, hmm, this is a great idea, but maybe not this year, right? We have other things on our plate, that sort of thing. So for example, if you're a freelancer and if you have a great idea to create a course, but after looking at it and seeing that you will need to learn new software skills, invest in an online platform, and it's going to take at least 100 hours of your time, you might prefer instead to write more grants. You think, oh, actually, I love writing grants. That's what I want to do. And for nonprofits, um, you know, you guys get amazing ideas. I love it. You want to start to implement these, and then you realize that it's just going to take too much of your time or expend too many of your resources, and it's not really gonna make a huge impact on your mission. But if you do this activity first, then you can once again prioritize your projects that are well thought out and will actually have drastic impact for your mission, right? So you wanna be able to prioritize again. A lot of times, for an example, I get nonprofit leaders, they'll come to me and they'll ask me for help with a gala and they'll say, oh my gosh, the other nonprofit charged $125 per plate, they had 500 people attend, so they must have raised more than $60,000 in one night. I wanna do that too. (laughs) I must remind these wide-eyed nonprofit leaders that the expenses were probably at least 70% of that with the cost to rent the hotel, the cost of food, advertising, etc. So we really need to be able to see uh, realistically what your projects are. Step number eight, or service number eight, contingency planning. Okay, we have all learned that things can change in the world really quick. If anything, you have learned that it is important to put a contingency plan in place. But have you yet? We need to make sure that for every project that is developed and every activity and objective we schedule, that things can happen, right? And I do this as well for all the grants that I write. If something happens, how can we ensure that the job will get done? So the three main things you need to look at for contingency planning are the following. The challenge. What challenges might you face? The contingency, and just going back, challenges a lot of times can also be those threats that you have in your SWOT analysis, right? So looking at that, if a typhoon happens, like, what are we going to do? Because this is an outdoor event, right? That's very real. Like, we need to kind of figure that out. What are you going to have in place? So that's the next thing. What is the contingency? What can you put in place to mitigate that typhoon or the, you know, getting it all rained out? And of course, sustainability. What you can put in place to extend the life of the project. So there's a lot of good things that once you look at these for any of your projects, for any of your objectives, it gives you really good ideas so you can be sustainable. So for the nonprofit leader, a challenge in being able to apply for 15 grants may be that there are not that many grants that are a good fit for their projects that year. Or maybe they had a hard time securing a grant writer in the first quarter. So what are you going to put in place? Maybe that you only apply for 10 grants, but you will make sure that the grants all amount to $300,000, right? To help lead up to that $500,000 overall. So this is really good because it's not the what if sometimes, it's the when. And then you already have a plan in place that you can take action on. For a freelancer, maybe you you can't find those 50 best leads. So you must attend more virtual conferences, develop Facebook ads, or actually go door to door to nonprofits in your city, right? And really connect. Once you understand the worst that can happen, then you actually have more control on how you're going to respond to events. It is truly liberating and it is what is going to separate you from everyone else who is just reacting, 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 and not responding. All right, so step number nine, or service number nine, develop strategic data management plans. All right, you have the best projects and plan of action on how to advance your nonprofit or business and meet your goals. Yay, you've done that, abracadabra. But you need to track your data to see if it's really working. Therefore, if you say your goal is to raise $500,000 for your nonprofit and one objective or stream of income in reaching that $500,000 is to secure the $300,000 from 15 grants, that's fantastic, that's great, but how are you gonna track that? How are you gonna know when you should kind of break into your contingency planning? Well, you did your first step of hiring a grant writer, but how many grants have they identified? What if it gets to the last quarter of the year and they have only applied for three grants? then you're gonna be way off track. So you need to say, okay, we need to be tracking this at least every quarter to see what's happening or every month, right? The same goes for you as a freelancer to secure 50 best leads. If you have only attended one virtual event, two in-person events and five leads on LinkedIn, and it's the fourth quarter, you're not gonna reach your objective. Because of that, it's like a domino effect, you're not gonna reach your goal. Forget about that $100,000. You've made a plan, now you've got to work your plan. But to know if your plan is going to get the full outcomes, you gotta track that plan. So what do you need to track? Once again, I love using charts. All right, so very basically, you wanna list all of your objectives in one column. The next column, you wanna say, what's going to be collected? So we're gonna say the objective is to get 50 best leads. What will be collected? The number of leads. Who collects the data is your next column, the virtual assistant. The next column, how is the data going to be collected? Using a shared Google Excel sheet. How frequently are you going to collect that data? We're going to collect it weekly. And where will this data be stored? It's going to be stored in our Google Drive. And why is the data useful? To track how many leads and to reach out to warm leads. And who are you gonna share the data with? None, no one, In, it's internal, right? So this is for you, but that's basically it. So you wanna be able to say, and I know these are real basic questions, but if you think about it, then all of a sudden you've developed operating systems. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> right? And it doesn't have to be complicated. It's not like I know when some people think data management plan, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't crunch numbers, I don't do spreadsheets and like crazy you know, analytics. and. It doesn't have to be hard. These are very simple questions and they don't need complicated answers of anything. You want it to be as simple as possible. But if your virtual assistant doesn't know where they're supposed to be putting the information and you don't look at it every week and you maybe look at it once every other month and you don't really have any kind of system in place, then you're probably not gonna reach your activity goal or your objective, or your overall goal. It's just not gonna happen. And it's, you know, the thing is, is that I see if people don't actually just use something simple like this, and think of how much, oh my gosh, I would so help you structure your time, right? They start beating themselves up saying, nobody likes me, my stuff isn't good enough, et cetera, et cetera, and all this victim kind of mentality talk. Nonprofits do it too, right? Nobody supports our mission, they're not passionate like we are. Well, a lot of times it's because You're just not putting yourself out there because you're not following your plan, right? So they don't know about it. So that's usually what it's all about. But if you can really track what you said you're going to do and see if it's working or not, you are gonna be way ahead and you're really gonna be closer and closer to reaching your overall goal. All right, so I know you guys are all waiting for this. Step or service number 10, schedule a nonprofit's calendar or your business calendar. And I love laying out an actual calendar. Like I'm big on like, I'm going to print a calendar, put it up and like, you know, see all the little boxes or see for the whole year. Right. Um, and then I divide it into quarters in this way. You can see exactly what needs to get done in a very visual way and to make sure that everything that you designed makes sense. So what do I mean? Well, the other great thing for a calendar view is that it is a reminder of holidays partner events, and other items that are going on and could impact your schedule. So even if you said, this makes sense on my little chart that six weeks, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do two months, and we're going to do this. But if you're not actually seeing all these other things that might impact your schedule, um, it might kind of get in your way. For example, you might see that a grant is due the same week your grant writer is having a baby, (laughs) Or maybe that the nonprofit, that's the same week you're celebrating your annual event. It's a huge fundraising event and it's going to take all of your energy, it's going to take all of your manpower and everything. Plus, in a calendar view, you can easily see when you need to start planning. So you can go, oh, okay, a month out is this date and what's going on around this time. It just gives you a very clear view, but you need to plan everything. This can really help you in your timelines and your activities too once you have this nonprofit calendar. So once you have your objectives and tasks for the best projects, and you know how you're going to track those your progress, or right, you have your data management plan set up, make sure you can transfer it over onto a calendar. This could be on a physical calendar that you hang up so you can see it, or in your Google Calendar, or uh, your Microsoft Outlook Calendar, or if you use software like Asana but having a visual calendar that also has all the other like holidays and integrated events on it is really important. So there you have it. That is the mini crash course on nonprofit strategic planning for your nonprofit or freelance biz. And once again, if you're a freelancer, this is all taught so you can use these. You can see how you can make each one of these steps as a separate service. Or you could tag it on to a board meeting uh, for a nonprofit. So an hour or two onto a board meeting every single month, you know, and you could come up with a whole year contract with a nonprofit by utilizing this. And it really gets them prepared. To sum it up, here are the 10 steps or services. Step number one, know your values. Step number two, conduct a SWOT analysis. Step number three, articulate boss mission, and vision statements. Step number four. Find your target demographic. Step number five, establish resource mapping. Step six, define goals, objectives, and activities. Step seven, prioritize a nonprofit's projects. Step eight, cultivate contingency planning. Step nine, develop strategic data management plans. And step 10, schedule a nonprofit's calendar. Now you can start making all those fantastic goals happen during the next six months. So I encourage you, take this podcast, listen to it with your team, get done your planning for the next six months. You know, Maybe take a day, pause it, go through it, and actually get your plan together so you can meet your 2020 goals. Yes, I know we've gotten thrown off with the pandemic. Get back on track, reprioritize what's really necessary, what goals you really wanna reach. You can do it. You just need to have a plan, and you need to work your plan. Say, even if that nonprofit leader implements all the objectives and activities and doesn't reach that $500,000 goal and only reaches $400,000. Well, isn't that better than having no plan and basically reaching no income or having a very loose idea of a plan and only reaching $100,000? I see this happening all the time. And then the nonprofit leader um, you know, they have to invest their own money into the nonprofit. They get upset and discouraged that no one cares about their nonprofit. That shouldn't and really isn't the case, like I said before. It's just that they didn't have a realistic plan, work their plan without getting burned out, and then track their plan. The same goes for freelancers. Sure, we all want to open a freelance business and magically have clients and enormous income. <laughs> that can so happen, but you must have a plan, work your plan, and What? Track your plan. Even if you didn't hit your $100,000 goal this year, but you did all of the steps, and you did all of your objectives and activities and all of this planning, you are certainly gonna make more income than not having a plan at all and then thinking once again, those victimized thoughts, maybe I'm not good enough, nobody likes me, et cetera. Well, if no one knows about you, no one is going to hire you. You need to have that plan and work it. So if you want to make a huge difference at ending the cycle of stressing out about not having enough time, not securing the funding you need, and having real burnout, but instead you want to feel in control of your life, have a higher quality of life, and have a plan that brings in real financial results, then you must implement these steps. I hope you enjoyed today's episode all about nonprofit strategies, that 10-step Crash Course. If you want today's show notes, please jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash one seven six. And just as a reminder, we do have our June grant party going on. So if you want two hundred dollars off the nonprofit strategic planning master course, the full thing, man. So if you like today's episode, you're going to love the full course. Um, That ends June thirtieth. And we also have our grant professional mentorship program. The doors are open until June thirtieth for the rest of twenty. 21, um, The doors will be closing on July 1st, and you will not be able to get into the mentorship until 2022. So if you want to elevate your business and get more momentum going for the rest of the year, definitely jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 176.